Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 to 23. Um, we don't have pew Bibles, so if you'd like to take out your devices or phones, or if you have your pew Bibles please, or a Bible, please open it up. So Moses and the glory of the Lord. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and you and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish us and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, Lord, in your presence. The Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, this is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's so nice to be doing it this way. Last time I preached, I was sitting in my dining room staring out of the window and all I could see was Tristan. Lovely though he is. I missed all of you and it was very weird not seeing your faces and interacting. It's very strange. So it's lovely to be here actually talking to you personally. Now, I'm going to be multi-talented, which is obviously my way, and that I am running the PowerPoint as well as this. So bear with me. So we're starting this passage with Moses in the tent of meeting. Oh, hang on. (laughs) We're starting this passage with Moses in the tent of meeting. Well, Moses was up getting the uh, Ten Commandments. We know that Israel abandoned God. They constructed the golden calf. God is very angry, and slightly earlier, in 32, 9 to 10, we read that he will no longer travel with them. He's pulling away because he's concerned that his anger will consume them. So it's, he's withdrawing to protect them rather than because he's too cross. He's not removed his promise of the promised land, I noticed. He hasn't, had one, he hasn't thrown it like we tend to do, a hissy fit, right, that's it, I'm having nothing more to do with you, you're just stuck. He hasn't done that. He's saying, I'm not travelling with you because it's not safe for you. And instead, he will send an angel. But that's not good enough for Moses. He was angry with Israel, but he doesn't want to journey without God. So there we are. He's erected his tent of meeting and he's gone in 
to have a conversation with God to basically try and win his argument. So, verse 12, we had, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favour with me. So Moses is now having a bit of a wobble. He's having a crisis of confidence. He doesn't feel he's got enough information from God to lead the people on his own. He needs more information to feel more confident. So he starts bargaining with God. I think we've all done this. You know, if you do this, I'll do that. If I do this, will you do that? So he's on a go. You've told me that you know my name and you found favour with me. So he's quoting God's words back to him. And we do the same. We have Jesus' words. We can quote Jesus' words back to him. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs on your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. He is aware of how much God values him. He's told God back to him that he's aware of how much God values him. And he is that confident in his relationship with God. Enough to say to God, if this is true, if you are pleased with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. I love that. This nation is your people. They're not mine. Nothing to do with me. This is you. He's putting the onus back on God. Almost moving maybe from, I think blackmail is probably too strong a word, but moving to say, look, this is not my responsibility, they're your people. But then he wants more information in that first sentence. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. And I thought, your ways. So I looked up, your ways. And this is Psalm 103, verses 7 to 13. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Quite a statement. The Lord's ways. Worth reading and pondering over. That is how the Lord loves us and treats us. So, God replies. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But Moses continues, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. God has not got cross, which he has accepted that Moses, in a sense, has a right to argue with him. He doesn't reply in anger and tell him off for daring to speak to him in this way, for daring to challenge him. Instead, he replies with compassion, love and kindness. And as we read in Psalm 103, that is God's ways. However, there's a problem which I found that Lord says, my presence will go with you. I'm going with you. But Moses then says, but if your presence doesn't go with me. But God has just said, I am going with you. So 
there must, I concluded there must be three ways. One of them is that Moses wasn't listening, which we have, I've had that with conversations with people, you know. You've agreed to something, they didn't listen, they're continuing to argue. It seems unlikely, however, to me, that Moses would not be listening to God. Of all the people that Moses should be listening to, you'd think he'd be listening. Or is he arguing that he wants to make, because he wants to make absolutely sure that God will go with him. God said he will, but let's just continue just to make absolutely sure that God will do what he's saying. Now, there is one commentator who gives a different answer, and nobody else gave it at all, but this commentator went back to the Hebrew. And the, that commentator said, with you is not there. That They said that that first sentence said, the Lord replied, my presence will go. So actually not saying that he will travel with him, but he will go away. Now, nobody else backed that up. So that was one commentator's opinion. It makes slightly more sense to me because I don't understand why Moses would be arguing. But there are three other possibilities. So I'm not giving that as a definite answer. But that was the conversation that went on there. Moses knows that he'll have an angel with him, but that's not enough for him. He wants God with him. And I think that's something we can all say, that we want God with us. But Moses doesn't stop. He keeps going. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? Moses continues to um, put his point to God because he is totally aware that he needs God. So many people in our world don't know they need God. They think they need money, popularity, celebrity, success, power every dream that they have coming true. We know that that is not the case. All we need is God's presence with us and we can cope with everything else. Him with us, life can be difficult. I'm not saying it makes life easy. God with us makes life easier, but it gives us that confidence and it's what sets us apart as Moses knew. That's what sets you apart It helps us be holy and to be set apart from God, that we have God's presence with us. And let's make sure day to day that we have God's presence with us. And now God replies. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So God is repeating Moses' words back to him again. So Moses quoted God. God has now quoted Moses quoting God. But interestingly, and I don't know if there's anything to read into it, God has swapped it around. The last time when Moses quoted it, it was, I know you by name and I am pleased with you. God says, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Such an intimate thing that God knows you that well that he knows you by name. So Moses is now, God is now saying to Moses, stop worrying, okay, okay, I will go with you. He's 
reassuring Moses that absolutely you've got what you asked for. I will go with you. He has God's presence. So whether it was a concession earlier, it's definitely a concession now. God will go with Moses and the people and travel with them. So Moses now has God's presence, what he needed. And then I just thought I'd put that in to remind us what Jesus said to us in Matthew 20, 28. Remember, I am with you. We can have Jesus with us every day to support us in what we're doing. Now you'd think at this point, Moses would stop. Oh, no, no, no. Moses keeps going. He's just won a concession from God and God will go with him. And you'd think, right, that's it, I've got what I wanted. No, he doesn't. He wants more reassurance. He now wants to see God's glory. And I think, too, there are times we do that. God's given us so much, and yet we go, but God, I want a sign. I want to know more. And God, again, doesn't get cross. He agrees to it. He does what Moses has asked for, but, as we'll see in a minute, with a caveat. The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. The Lord is making these decisions himself. It's his choice. And Paul quotes that verse in Romans 9.15 to emphasise the point that when God does something, it's because he's chosen to do it. God shows mercy because he chooses to show mercy. Not because he has to, but because he chooses to show mercy on us. And so now, God has agreed. But, he says, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Now this, again, caused me a problem and made me go and do some research. Because we had earlier in 32, I think it was, chapter 32, or the beginning of 33, beginning of 33, I think, that they met face to face. So if they were meeting face to face in the tent of meeting, how come now God says, you can't see my face? And I learned that it's not a contradiction. Um, a couple of writers said it was, but I think they misunderstood and they didn't go far enough back. And if you go back to the Jewish writers... They will tell you that face-to-face -face is an idiom. It's an expression. It doesn't mean it literally. It means that they met together. In Numbers 18, it's... Sorry, Numbers 12, 8, it says mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. Again, it's an idiom. It's a way of explaining a close relationship. It doesn't mean you're there looking at each other. So he is saying, you cannot see my face because no one may see my face and live. It's an expression, not a reality. But death, if you see him, see God, is a reality. And then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. He's going to look after Moses. I loved that. I'm going to pop you in a rock and I'm going to put my hand over you to make sure you're safe. I thought that was just lovely. I will protect you. I will keep you safe. I'm going to do what you've asked, but I'm going to care for you. And he's going to be near to God. 
He says, it's a place near me where you may stand on that rock. But then I'm going to cover you and keep you safe. So I'm going to do what you ask, but I'm going to have to look after you to do it. And then he says, and then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face, and he reiterates this again, my face must not be seen. I thought seeing the back of God is so often what happens in a sense. When we're going through a tough time, we can't feel or see necessarily God with us. It feels difficult. But when we look back at situations we've been through, we can see where God was with us. We're very good at hindsight. We're not necessarily so good at seeing God with us. But we can use this. We know in the past God was with us through difficult times. So why wouldn't he be now? He is the same yesterday, today and forever. So the fact that we know that God was with us when life was tough means that God will be with us now because he always will. And the end result of Moses having this discussion with God, God dwells with them in the tabernacle on their journey. He gives Moses another set of the Ten Commandments. Obviously the same ones, not another set in a sense of different Ten Commandments. He gets another set. And then, in time, Israel, or no, not the same people necessarily, Israel arrives in the Promised Land. And is all that because Moses had that conversation with God in the tent of meeting. What I noticed more, what stood out for me in all the story, was God's God's intimate, that's a typo on my part, that should be Moses' intimate relationship with God, I'm so sorry, Moses' intimate relationship with God. The Lord speaks to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Lord says to Moses, I know you by name and you have found favour with me. What a wonderful thing to have said to you by God. I know you by name, I know you that well, because that name sums you up as we've learned before, how important a name is, and you have found favour with me. The Lord will go with Moses and will give him rest. He will travel with him. The Lord covers Moses with his hand. Moses has such confidence with God that we will have this kind of discussion with him which is quite a strong thing to have that conversation. And God replies to Moses and agrees to his requests. Made me think back to, I think it was Abraham, wasn't it, arguing with um, the angels about, was it protecting Sodom? You know, if this, but what about if this, and it brought the numbers down and down. Also, because on my course we were taught, I was on my training course last weekend, which is why I wasn't here, by a Zoom in the dining room, we had to put, we were recommended to put an illustration. So I've done my best because it's not my natural thing. I've come up with an illustration for you that it reminded me of a child with its parent. Yes. The parent might be annoyed, but still loves his child and the child knows that he is loved. The child can bargain things from his father when he's going to bed. Can I have a story? Just one more story. Can I have a drink? The parent will give in up to a point, but will draw the line when it's not in the best interests of the child. You can have a glass of milk, but you're not having Coke. You're not having Coke now because you won't sleep. So Moses has that immense confidence in God's love for him that he will have that kind of conversation with God. And how do we do that? 
How can we achieve, or some of you may have, that kind of intimate relationship with God? And my first question, I think, was, do we want to? Because for some, that's scary, that God knows you that well, that you are prepared to let God in to that amount. Do we want to be known that well by him? Do we want to walk that closely with him? Do we want to know him that well? Because that is going to require us to change, and we never like change. It's going to require us to change our lives, our viewpoint. We will see things differently. It's a scary path, but oh, so worth it. So do you want that kind of intimate relationship with God? And I just put there are two ways. One is to ask him to dwell with us, as Moses did. Go to him and ask, please dwell with me. Ask for your forgiveness for the things you've done wrong. Repent of what you've done wrong and walk with him. And to do that, we need to spend time with him. Because if you want an intimate relationship with someone, you've got to spend time with them. If you never spend any time with them, how can you have a relationship, never mind an intimate relationship? Spend time. And I thought I'd look up some ways, and I had some thoughts. I'm sure there are lots more, and I might, if I'm feeling brave, ask you to give me some that I've missed. So, we can start with the Daily Prayer app, which you can have on your phone. You can also have the book, which is the Book of Common Worship, and you can pray that. That has morning and evening prayer, all sorts of things in it. And as one person mentioned, this, I didn't know there was a Pray As You Go app, which you can have on your phone. That can pray as you, that does it as you drive to work. It's, it's not quite our form of worship because it tends to be monks chanting, but then it's, it reads a passage and it talks you through it, asks you questions and asks you to talk to God about things. I've been trying it this week since I learnt about it as I drive to work in the morning. It's different, but it's a lovely way of communicating with God. Obviously, we need to read our Bible. God has put all this here for us. This is God speaking to us. We need to listen to him and read his word. Then I've put meditate, that man there sitting. Don't just read the word, meditate on it. Let it sink in. Read, mark, learn and inwardly digest the word of God. Pray. I love that image of the child praying in the corner there. Pray to God. But also listen to him. And I thought, that's so often my prayer. Hello, it's me again. I'm back. I've got something else going wrong. And that's more me, I think, talking to God during the day when something, again, I feel I can't do or something. Going back to God, what's sometimes called arrow prayers, isn't it? Talking to God that way. We must make sure, though, that it's not a one-way conversation, that we are listening to God coming back to us. Worship. Last weekend, we did quite a lot of liturgy. And I'm really trying hard to find God in liturgy. It's not a natural thing for me. My home group are praying for me that I can find God in liturgy. After we'd finished liturgy, I put UCB on the radio, and it wasn't a pretty sight. I danced around the kitchen singing modern worship songs to God, and I found God much more through that than I could through liturgy. But I shall work on it. And different people relate in different ways, don't they? Going for a walk, I went out to Newtown afterwards to walk the dog because I'd been in the dining room all weekend and there I could talk to God so much more in nature and we can see God in nature can't we and find God in nature and that's my one of my favorite places in the lake just at the bottom a picture that I took so listening to the radio 
Um, one of the speakers at last weekend said that he listens to sermons uh, while he's ironing. So we can listen. There's so much on social media that we can listen to and find to spend time with God. There's an app that I can't download, which, bother, which is upsetting. It's called, it's called Glorify, and that does your morning quiet times, but it doesn't work on Android phones. It only works on... What's the other one? What's not an... I don't know. Is it Apple? I don't know. But the other type of phone, it'll work on iPhones, but it won't work on Android. But hopefully it'll be, they'll convert that. But that's another app. Mike Pilavachi recommends that one. Is there anything I've forgotten? Anything else that people use as a way to meet with God? Anything else? Oh, they, they do, you're right. Yeah, Tina said there is a, um, there's a phone line that um, the Church of England run where you can listen to hymns and you can have prayer and things like that. So that's another f- way that you can spend time with God. Spending time with him. Because... As he said in John, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Our intimate relationship with Jesus is that as a friend. And as a result of that, you can have your intimate relationship with God. The Lord will speak to you face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Lord will say to you, I know you by name and you have found favour with me. The Lord will go with you and give you rest. The Lord will cover you with his hand and you can have that confidence in your relationship with God. Now Malcolm is going to come up in a bit and do our intercessions and prayers. But what I thought we'd do for a few moments is sit and spend time with God, one-to-one, us with him and spend time. We can talk to him, we can listen to him, and we can continue to develop our relationship with him. So let's take a few moments to spend time with God, our Lord, our Saviour, but also with our friend.